Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step -step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. GDIY20 at checkout to save 20%. Can you walk up a pheasant in a ditch? Well, yeah. By yourself? Yeah. With a buddy? Yeah. Is it way more experiential with a dog? Well, gosh, yeah. I'm not really dealing with the guns, which they're definitely needed to harvest animals and most fowl, but I'm doing something just as important there by providing the products that allow people to train those dogs and make those memories and sit in a memory room just like what we got here. Have you ever shot a bird that just keeps on flying and you're standing there saying, I swear I hit that bird? Well, good news. Maybe it might not be you, but rather your shotgun. Go check out UplandGunCompany.com and construct the perfect shotgun that is not only built to your exact physical specifications, but your preferred looks as well. To some people, a shotgun not only has to perform, but look good while doing it also. Upland Gun Company has made this process super convenient and surprisingly affordable when you consider all of the completely customizable features. Get your shotgun order submitted today so you're standing there with your dog saying fetch, rather than standing there still saying, I couldn't have missed that bird. Alright everybody, welcome back to another week of GDIY presented by Standing Stone Supply. This week we're joined with a friend of Standing Stone, Brian Lasley of DT Electronics. Brian, how you doing today? Doing good, Nick. How about you, man? Oh, I'm living the dream as always. We're we're in your, I don't know if you call this your study or your trophy room or, or what, but yeah. uh, it definitely sets the mood for us to be talking hunting and dogs uh, and all that stuff. I'll tell you, with the exception of the, the stackable washer and dryer in the corner, it's it's my memories room. Yeah, I don't I don't like to call it a trophy room. Not that there's anything against it, because ninety percent of the people that come over here, hey, your trophy room, but it's it's really like a memories room. Yes, like um, if I sit here, you know, I got I think I got forty species of waterfowl in here, thirty six to forty somewhere in that neighborhood. Then I got my my deer, and it's memories. I've got feathers, as you see, just random kind of stuff, claws from different things, and just random memories that that trigger a memory of the hunt and the the time spent outdoors and friends that were there that participated and dogs that were there that retrieved we were talking about last night when you came over um the first retrieve of my my dog hoss or you know so it's a memories room i guess i'll just yeah. say without elaborating too much well know. and you know for those people you know you find these people especially in the outdoor space they're either they love taxidermy or they don't they don't get it. And uh, mm -hmm. I try and tell everybody, every mount that I have, 
I can tell you, I can relive that memory of what got that bird or the story yeah. behind it yeah, as if it was the morning of. Absolutely. And, and so sitting in a room like this, I mean, you, you like you just said, you have a ton of waterfowl in here and mm-hmm. you can probably give a story for every for single one, one of these. Every single one dating back, um, going almost 30 years for the first one I got in here. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so 30 years, that's that's a long time to, to be hunting and chasing these crazy birds. Go ahead and kind of introduce yourself and set the stage to let the listeners know who you are and what kind of got you into the outdoor space. Absolutely, sure. So my name's Brian Lasley. Um, I've been, I guess you would say I've been working in the outdoor industry for uh, a little over 20 years now. And I started out, uh, as far as my, my job, you know, responsibilities and so forth, started out working at the Remington Arms Company, uh, kind of in the early early 2000 range there, and worked there for several years, uh, product manager, brand manager for shotguns and rifles and all things hunting, you know, at, at Remington there. And I did that for a good long while, and I loved it. It was my passion. You know, shotguns are truly my passion because I loved to bird hunt and waterfowl hunt. And then I uh, moved on from Remington and went to Beretta. And then, as you know, Beretta owned Sacco, Tika, Benelli. And so, big shotgun company, just loved it and ate it up. And I was working, uh, I was the uh, marketing manager for the shotgun line there. And I did that for a good while. And had a lot of opportunities and experiences to kind of travel the world and hunt in different areas and see how people hunt different things in different areas. And also see how people hunt the same things that we hunt here but a different methods and different ways and use dogs in different manners. And, you know, I've been on dog hunts for turkeys, which a lot of people, you know, might say, what the heck, you know, dog hunting for yeah. turkeys. But it's a, it's a thing, you know, the dog goes in, bust the turkeys up, and then they kind of come back and, you know, get gathered back together and you, you know, get yourself a turkey. You right. Know? So, and, and uh, so I, I did that for a good while. And then, I, of course, now I'm with DT Systems and I've been doing this for um, going on 11 years. Okay. Uh, working with DT. And, um, it's obviously not something similar to where I did working with guns all the time, but it's in the outdoor space. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And and kind of parallelism there, I'd consider that I can't go hunting most of the time without a dog. Could you walk, like we were talking the other day, can you walk up a pheasant in a ditch? Well, yeah. By yourself? Yeah. With a buddy? Yeah. Is it way more experiential with a dog? Well, gosh, yeah. So <laughs> I'm not really dealing with the guns, which they're definitely needed to harvest animals and m- most fowl, unless you're slingshotting it or whatever, and some people may, you know. But I'm doing something just as important there by providing the products that allow people to train those dogs and make those memories and sit in a memory room just like what we got here. Right. So that's freaking cool to me, you know, and I, and I, and I love doing it. Absolutely. So. And Again, you know, we, we've talked a, a lot since I've been here about a, a lot of different subjects. And, and yeah. one thing I noticed, like you said, you, your experiences being in the outdoor space and what you've done uh, for, for 30 plus years has put you in different situations and scenarios where it's like no matter what what possibility or possible uh, hunt we're talking about, it seems like you kind of have a little bit of experience yeah. uh, dealing with and it, it was quite telling to me to where you've done all these cool hunts, these these really like, I mean, even overseas and, and just dream hunts for most people. Oh, yeah. But you speak passionately about just duck hunting with a dog or yeah. chasing pheasants with a dog. You yeah. know, it's just like, well, you've traveled the world doing all these crazy bucket list hunts. 
it's the basic hunting oh, with yeah. a dog that still, you know, you can see lights of fire in your eyes. Oh, good grief, yes. Like, just, I think I showed you that picture, or, or Heather showed you the picture uh, the other day with Zachary sitting, and our son Zachary sitting with old Hoss, yeah. 12 years, going on 13 years old, sitting in the canoe, killed him. I wasn't there, dude, okay? <laughs> I couldn't be, because I was down here, you know, five hours away, but him and my brother killed three woodies, a mallard, and a Canada goose. That is, and seeing him and my dog sitting there, you know, in the in the canoe, just getting that picture, I was there. I smelt it. I, I felt the wind blowing on my face. I could feel the fog rising out of the swamp. I could see it because I've done it before. And it meant so much to me just to see that picture and know, hey, here's my son out there with my brother and my dog of, you know, 12 plus odd years. And that that's hunting too because and that's why I tell you, go back to this is a memory room. It's about so much more than going out and killing. And I don't want to sound cliche because it's been said a zillion times, but I'm trying to feed into what everybody out there listening to this most likely knows and some may not know. When you get into hunting, especially when you get into hunting with a dog, you're this is not something you're going to do like going to see a movie on the weekend or just going out to eat at a fancy restaurant or traveling to Hawaii for your 10th anniversary. It's the start of a lifelong, life-changing experience for you, your dog, and your entire family, and whoever you, whoever else you may meet along the way. Because from that point on, you're, whether you like it or not, you're an ambassador for hunting. You, you are the picture of hunting, and you're the picture of hunting with a dog. And I mean that in the best possible way, because it's a good way to influence whoever you come across for the good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So all that just rolls together to make a... A, a bird dog guy, whether he's a waterfowler, whether he's a hardcore Bob White quail gentleman Bob's down in Georgia in the pine plantations, whether he's over in the Pacific Northwest, chasing valley quail, mountain quail, whatever he's going at spruce grouse, I don't know, but we're all the same. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and we, were, respect. we were talking about it over breakfast this morning. You know, it's not that we have to really preach about why it is that we love doing what we do with these dogs on this podcast. Most of the listeners, like you said, probably get it. But it's just important to note. It's kind of like, by extension, the, the people that you expose to the outdoor space through your dogs and just the passion that you have through your dogs. It's It's like, especially... Dog owners and handlers, we have the capability or the avenue to introduce certain people that probably otherwise wouldn't ever even experience the, the outdoors. Absolutely. Just because of the dogs, it's like there's that common thread between non-hunters and hunters. And how many people have you gotten out to go chase birds or something just because they have an interest in seeing the dog do yeah. it? And then next thing you know, they're hooked. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, they're falling in love with some of the other stuff that we all love about it. Whether, like you said, your passion for shotguns and wing shooting mm -hmm. or, you know, any of these other things as sunrises, you know, out on the prairie or something like that, you know, no then doubt. once they're exposed to it and they're introduced to it, they can then start appreciating the tradition or the nostalgia that we all so often speak about. But yeah. I've, I've realized like you're not attracting new hunters that don't understand it by preaching nostalgia and tradition. It's like they have to understand it from a different angle before yeah. they can appreciate the tradition yeah, of it. Exactly. And that's a good point to bring up because obviously I work for DT Systems, which we've already said. We produce dog training collars. We produce Actually, it's a one-stop shop because we've got dummy launchers. We've got mm -hmm. bird launchers. We've got leads. We've got throw dummies. We've got wing dummies. We've got 
loads for the dummy launcher. It's basically, uh, it, there's everything you use to, and I, I, I say that not pushing our product, not being a marketing guy right now. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But just what you said, you can't preach nostalgia to a guy that's never been before. That's something that comes with it that's an awesome benefit for the rest of your life that you hold on to, you know, forevermore. But to get to that point, I'm not good enough to train my dog or to get a dog to where as good as your dogs are, as good as Ethan's dogs are, as good as, you know, whoever, any guy out there, even average Joe that's just put in the time. I'm not good enough to do it without any tools. I can't build a house without hammer and nails. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I can't work on my truck on the weekends without wrenches. You see what I'm getting at? Yeah. So we, we, DT Systems provides the tools for you to be able to get to that point to where you learn how to train your dog. Then where you take that training, you put it to the woods. You make those memories, wing shooting and getting birds and, and fighting family and friends. So it's the it's kind of the, the ground level where you get started, and then we 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 help you get a, get along the on, along the way with that. Yeah. So essentially, kind of uh, by extension, DT is is not just a collar or electronics company or, or anything like that. It's it's a memory production company almost. Yes. It's like that's absolutely what I think of it as since I've been there for eleven years. Absolutely for me, that is what it is. Just like when I met met with you, you know, the first time. Heck, I mean, for for all of you out there that are, that are listening, I, Nick just came to my house yesterday. We talked before. I never met the guy, but you know what? He hunts. He's a bird guy. He's a bird dog guy. And what we're what I was talking about earlier with people all across the country, no matter what your discipline, you know, you, there's a certain set of things you know about a dude or, or or a gal or whoever's out there, a young fella. That if you know that he's a bird dog guy or he's got trained and, and been in the bird dog world, there's a certain set of things you know that you say, hey, you know, well, I got some stuff in common with this dude. I, I, you know, I, we'll, we'll jive together, you know. And if not, because everybody's got their differences. Lord knows, look at anything these days. They want to tell you how many differences people have. Right. How about focusing on the commonality? We're all human beings. And, and our goal is to live a, a pretty good life while we're here. Well, when you know a bird guy, a bird dog guy, you know he kind of has the same kind of goals and things that align with yours. And there's a whole lot of people out there listening to this or not. They know people that are not a, a, another Nick or another Brian. But they maybe want to be, but maybe they just don't know how to be. Maybe they've got a dog that sits on the couch all day that, you know, they take him outside and they wonder, why does he pull on the lead? Why is he always interested in all nature and looking at birds and different things? And well, it's because kind of Lee, that's what dogs were bred to do is be there with men trying to help them get out in nature and find things and hunt things. You know what I mean? hundred percent. So, so that's what I, that's also what I mean by being an example for folks. And, you know, instead of saying, oh, well, you know, I, I really just like to hunt ducks. I'm not worried about this guy over here quail hunting. And not that people do that intentionally, but we're all one in the same. Not that way, which I really want to make sure everybody's understanding. Everybody's got their thing. Not asking anybody to change it, but it, we're well, all one. We're all one in the same. Yeah, you, you're talking about establishing <laughs> that baseline. While everybody has their own little different subsection or niche or or specialty, yeah. is probably the best way of looking at it. You know. Brian, you, you're more of a, a duck hunter than I am. Absolutely. I'm more of an up, upland hunter uh, yeah. overall. But like you said, while you're a, more of a waterfowl hunter and I'm an upland hunter, we still have that baseline, yeah. that, that common thread that connects us, which is just a passion for getting outdoors with our dogs. Absolutely. And so no matter what, we can have all the personal differences in the world, you yeah. know, be it social, political, what whatever about. it is, we yeah. have that baseline and that foundation to fall mm -hmm. back on to where at the end of the day, we could mm -hmm. argue till we're blue in the face about 20 other topics. 
but we're going to get along. Yeah, yeah, we're going <laughs> to shake hands and we're going to, you know, yeah. enjoy enjoy a beer at the tailgate and talk yeah. about dogs. And uh, that's something that I think people outside of the outdoor space maybe don't understand. They don't understand the uh, the camaraderie that, that mm-hmm. people bring. You know, it, I, I'm sure you've been out there. You've been out in the field with people that you probably personally can't stand sometimes. Oh, yeah. But you know what? The activity kind of brings you together. Brings you together. And everybody can go along to get along. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a lot of people might call that word fellowship. Almost. Absolutely. It absolutely is a fellowship. And and I've, I've heard there, there's different terms to describe it. Fellowship, brotherhood, you know, everything else. But it's important for me anyway, and not pressing this on anybody, to remember that it's all inclusive of all people if, that if they wanted to participate. And since we know how to do it, like you and I were talking about earlier, if somebody asks or steps up, it's a great thing to be able to show them. Not like you talked, we specifically talked about this, not taking them to all your pins on your own X maps or whatever it is that you got, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But kind of laying the brickwork, you know, and showing them. Because in this day and time, I was fortunate my dad would take me duck hunting. You know, and then my granddaddy and his brothers and stuff would go bird hunting back when there was tons of quail everywhere. So I just picked up on that. They took me. There was. But a lot of people don't have an opportunity. So in times of change, kind of from how that was yeah. for many different reasons. But, you know, it's nice to know that you can go and be out there and you see somebody else. Maybe I'm going and hunting, you know, several states away and you see a guy out in orange, you know, everybody, you know, the, the orange army, everybody says, but they're mm-hmm. upland guys. So you kind of know, hey, these guys are, you know, we can maybe team up with them or do this and that and the other. And it's just it's just a nice thing to be able to know that when a guy's out there hunting, he probably has a little bit in common with you more than you might even would know absolutely and mm-hmm. i think it's important that may, maybe people start focusing again like you said on that commonality rather than the differences mm-hmm. and then you know another thing back to what you just said is it's not so much about taking people and them finding success through you taking them it's ultimately just giving them the tools to figure it out on their own you For know sure. we can yep. help them we can uh influence them we can, you know, show them the way the best way we can, but ultimately it's on them to figure out the next steps and, and kind of piece it together for themselves. So then they can teach the next generation and people getting into it. Yep. And, you know, it, it goes back to what you're talking about, DT systems. It's you guys provide the tools for yeah, people right. to train the dogs. You're not, you know, you guys have plenty of resources, trainers, yep. you you know, you, you guys are involved and, and sponsor a bunch of different people that can really show you the way of how to use those yes. tools but dt systems we're not you, the experts you you guys while y'all have a passion for it y'all are developing the tools that yes. the people that then you go and and you can find the knowledge on how to utilize those tools absolutely elsewhere. we're we, we're not the experts but we listen to the experts which is you guys <laughs> that are out there which drives us to shape and mold and produce and manufacture the tools that you need to get the job done out there. You know what I mean? And we have a whole, you know, we've got our quote unquote pro products that mostly those guys would use. And then we've got the average weekend Joe Hunter that he needs just for obedience training and going hunting 10 or 12 times a year. Absolutely. But it, it is the tools that, that require. And we were talking about uh, introducing people to the sport. We also introduce your dog to the sport. Yes. And so, like like you're saying, and, you know, when you buy a puppy, just to get on that topic, that's that's the beginning of minimum of probably about 10 years of a bond, a relationship, uh, a hierarchy, you know, because dogs know alpha male or whatever, you, however you want to call it. They know the alpha leader of the pack. Dogs look at you, hey, that's the pack leader. 
And God help you if they don't look at you as the pack leader. <laughs> because if your dog's the pack leader, you're in for a tough time. Yeah. Really and truthfully, that's just how they operate. They have to have, and you're not out there just discipline them every second. You know, it's a mutual beneficial relationship that you will discover once you get a dog. And, or if you already have one, then you already know what I'm talking about. But that's that's one of the cool things. You, you work off each other's synergy, strengths, weaknesses. You know what I mean? And I love working for a company where we have the tools that help you be able to do that. And once you really discover, like there's there's master level carpenters, right, that build houses, wouldn't you agree? Mm -hmm. And there's also architects that they've never built a house in their life. They, they don't know how, how to, to swing a hammer. Yeah, but they know how to tell you how to do it. We just are the guy in the grassroots that has the tools to say, here you go. You know, now you take it and you you do you but with these tools, and we listen to you, like I said, and we listen to all, all of our different pro trainers out there, and we bring that information together collectively, and then you can try, try and form a product that works for kind of all of them. Yeah, and, and ultimately, you just described, like, your day-to-day -day, uh, cooperation with these dogs and working with these dogs and, and the teamwork. And, and you know, you, you said it, it's not so much disciplinary or, or obedience driven. I call it, you know, establishing a standard and living up to that standard day yep. in, day out. And dogs thrive in a situation where they have a consistent standard or expectation that they know that they have to live within. Yeah. And essentially what DT Systems is, and, and really any product manufacturer in the outdoor space, uh, especially when it comes to, to dog training equipment, you guys are helping us develop and maintain that standard. No more, no Absolutely. less, ultimately. It's like yep. you produce a product and it's up to the owner's and, and handler's capability of y utilizing that product. So, and what I'm getting at is e-collars. You know, yep. it, Absolutely. It, it, obviously that's, uh, you have some people on one side of the spectrum that, that's you know, right. I'll never put an e-collar on my dog. Then you have the other people that, you know, are probably putting e-collars on a Seven week old puppy somewhere yep. right now that doesn't need to have an e collar on yep. it. You know, it's a, it's educate it, those folks. Yep. It, it, and you have to educate both sides of the spectrum, right? right? Yep. And so, yep. an e collar is one of the best tools out there on the market yep. if used correctly. That's true. And that's where it's like you guys develop obviously some quality products. You guys have been around for for quite a while. Yeah, thirty, a little over uh, thirty. We started in eighty five. So so eighty five. Okay, thirty seven so, years or something. Yeah, it's going on forty years or eighty three. 83. Okay, yep. so y'all have been for over 40 years. And Good while. So, you know, again, you guys are helping develop the products that we use day to day, but there is an education factor that obviously that the average owner and handler has to know to be able to use those products yeah. effectively, safely, responsibly, whatever additive you want to use yeah. on it. And that's very true because it's not, I, I tell people quite often, and like you said, there's two ends of the spectrum. There's people that use them on one hand, and then there's people that say they'll never use them, but it's just a tool. It really is. It's not a magic wand. There, there, and there's going to be a ton of people listening to us. Ah, you could train dogs without ever using e collar. Absolutely, yes, you can. And you can also play professional football without wearing the greatest, latest, and greatest shoes or any protection or a helmet. But is it better to kind of use the things that have been invented over the years to make those aspects of whatever you're doing better? Mm -hmm. I think so. I could still be using a black powder shotgun. And reloading it, you know, muzzle loading a shotgun every time a new flock comes. I could, right? Yeah. But things have been invented since then that if you easier. learn how to use it right, it makes it a little bit better experience for you. 
That's all an e-collar is, dude. You're, you're just reinforcing what people have been doing in dog training for hundreds of years. So perfect case in point, hand signals and, and yelling and whistling at the dog. It, have you ever heard the scene of time in the field where the conditions were so that they could not hear you whistle or yell at them? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, you have. So have you ever been out into the field when you couldn't see your dog and your dog couldn't see you? Plenty well, of times. Hundreds of times, I'd imagine. So what I say to any folks out there that say, oh, I'm apprehensive about an e-collar, I don't want to use one, period. Hey, you, that is perfectly fine. We're not advocating the use of e-collars broad-based for every dog out there. I just would like to communicate the information that there are times when you're in the field where your dog cannot he, hear or see you visually to get a hand cue and he can't hear you. If you ever have taken and ran through a cornfield, can you hear anything no. other than the corn leaves rustling? That's all I can hear. You could be blowing a horn. A freight train could go by. You know, I can't hear it. But the dog can feel a buzz, a vibrate. He can hear a tone that's around his neck, right? If you've trained that dog, case in point, if you've trained that dog to listen and feel those visual cues, he's going to stop what he's doing, he or she, turn around and go look for nick you know so that's what that's what an e-collar does man it's a it's a communication device have we invented two-way radios for when a person goes farther than you can yell yeah you can it's a communication device do you have a mobile phone yeah you can talk to somebody we're here in north carolina we're on the outer banks can you talk to somebody in texas could you yell to them from here no can you visually hand signal them? <laughs> no. And that's a little bit of an extreme example, but I'm, I'm just putting that out there to help people understand. This is literally a two-way communication device that you can communicate with your dog for any reason that you need to when it cannot see or hear you otherwise. So put use that in wherever you may be out here listening. Is there ever been a case where you might could have used that to the benefit of you and your dog to have made the situation a little better, a little less stressful, a little less yelling. Because here, if I'm sitting across from you, Nick, and I start yelling and screaming, even if it's something good, if I'm saying, boy, what a nice, bright, sunny day it is, but I'm screaming it at you, do you automatically kind of get a negative connotation because yeah. I'm screaming? It's the tone and inflection of what you're saying. That, yes. So the dogs pick up on that way quicker than human beings do. So in order to avoid that type of situation where you're screaming across the marsh or screaming to you the dog or you're blowing the whistle until you, you know, eyeballs are popping out your head because the dog can't hear it because it's windy or whatever, just a quick press of a button and you can vibrate the dog. Hey, let's say you got something against, you know, the east end, because it, which is adjustable to where you can barely perceive how you, uh, yeah. you know, the feeling of it. But hey, let's say you don't want to do that. Okay, great. There's tone options, which is a beep. There's vibrate, just like if you put your, let's say you go to church on Sunday morning, you put your phone in your pocket, but you put it on vibrate. Okay, great. You can do that for the dog collar too. It's just a little reminder. Hey, there's something going on. What, what do you do when your phone vibrates in your pocket? Well, there's something going on. Yeah. Either I just got an email, I just got a text, I just got a phone call. Well, don't you think that if there's a collar around your dog's neck, he can't see you, he can't hear you. For whatever reason, he's out there. You hit a button. And it vibrates, don't you think, that it lets him know, oh, time to get back to you know business. Time to go listen for dad or mom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's, that is what I like to 
be able to communicate to folks. So that in this conversation that we've just had, there's nothing bad. It's not inherently bad. It's how you relate to the tool in general. You know, I, yep. I've been doing this podcast for over three years, and one one there's there's common commonalities throughout episodes, throughout trainers. You know, there's always that common thread when you start talking about dog training in general. And, and one thing in dog training is is uh, control erodes distance uh, erodes control with these dogs Mm -hmm. and so often so many people struggle with the concept that if you can't drill it in your own backyard at your own two feet within the length of your check cord you taking it off that check cord is only gonna make that control erode even further the further that dog gets away from you it's gonna Mm -hmm. understand that hey there's no tether here mm-hmm. that, that he can't back up the correction. He can't reinforce anything. He he can't do anything to oh, me yeah. when I'm out there. And so like what you're saying, this e-collar is nothing but a communication tool to Absolutely. where it's just like, hey, we've drilled it in the backyard. We've drilled it at my feet. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we've drilled it close by. Now I'm trusting you. We're working together. You now have to do it 100, 200, 300 yards out, what have you. Yeah. And if you don't, I can still correct you. The standard mm-hmm. is the standard, whether you're five yards from me or 300 yes. yards from me. Yeah. And and that is ultimately what we're talking about is mm-hmm. being able to communicate whether it's good and or bad. Yeah. You know, sometimes you need to correct. But also, you've seen it more often than me, I guarantee, working for DT is how often do you see, I mean, I tell everybody, when you find somebody that truly knows how to train and overlay an e-collar effectively with the dog, an e-collar in the hands of somebody that really knows what they're doing. Oh, it is amazing and just impressive oh, of, gosh, yeah. of how they can, for lack of a better term, steer and control that dog at a yeah. distance. And it's not like that dog is out there with the tail between its legs. No, oh, man, not. he's buzzing me again. I no. got to go do it. No, they're enthusiastic yes. about it. So just like... We preach about the foundations and starting from square one and, and going up the ladder, stairs, whatever analogy you want to use. It's the same process with an e-collar. And Absolutely. when done correctly, that dog is just as enthusiastic to do it with that e-collar around its neck as it's not. Yeah. And and to me, it's it sometimes it takes putting eyes on a trainer like that for that's it to right. really kind of take hold on some people. Yeah, and that's a good point because one of the things, Hoss, our, our duck dog at Big Yellow Lab, had him for, like I said, 12, going on 13 years. Well, when he would see, we would hang the e-collar and the remote up by the door. And when he would see us even walk in that direction and touch that thing, he was jumping up and down, <laughs> running around in circles. Sometimes he would just, you know, whoop, whoop, just because he knew he was enthusiastic because that he equated that with getting to go outside and go get some ducks. He was so happy to see us even move towards that eco. And I know there's a lot of people out there now that are like, yep, my, my dog does the same thing. It's not a punishment device. Mm-hmm. If you're using it as such, then that's the same thing to me is what what do we put in little kids' hands all around this country in Little League? A baseball bat. Yep. If that kid walks over to a car, bashes in the car windows with the baseball bat, he's used that tool improperly. That's not what the tool was meant for. Well, it's absolutely no different than an e-collar if somebody's using it in an incorrect manner well then that's not what it was meant for it's not a punishment device in other words you don't put it on your dog and then when your dog goes to use the bathroom in the neighbor's yard you zap them 
That's not what it's meant. No. That absolutely, I think that's what a lot of people think. I, th- I think and it's, it's not, because it's not that way. Again, not not. Uh, hopefully, this doesn't offend or people don't take this the wrong way. But like to me, that is the most like elementary understanding of what an e collar does. Like once yeah. you kind of surpass that, an e collar is more than a, a a way to stop a dog from doing something, mm-hmm. and you start understanding that if if the dog with proper training and and, and the process of just building up the understanding once the dog comprehends yeah. that pressure on pressure off it's a communication device it's a communication device yes. and once you understand that you can get these dogs to do some amazing Almost things anything. on e-collars yeah. and it, and it takes work and just because like i i feel like i have a pretty good understanding while discussing it and everything while in practice i haven't had my hands on enough dogs where every dog i I work with on them i'm getting better and better and better yeah but you're not going to figure it out on one dog you're not going to figure it out on two dogs it's like every single dog that you put your hands on with these e-collars you're going to get better you're going to get more efficient with it every dog that you that you make it a priority you're going to get it so it's like if you get the e-collar and you're overwhelmed mm-hmm. with it, just understand that kind of everybody yeah. starts there with the e-collar and you just kind of do your homework. Yeah, and, which while we've got all types of resources, like you said earlier, we partner with Ethan and Kent, Standing Stone Kennels, we partner with you guys. There's podcasts out there. There's videos out there. We've got dozens of videos on our YouTube channel, mm-hmm. e-collar introduction. Here's when you do it. Here's what you take the puppy, you know. if you And there's not a, there's not a concrete age. You know, 12 weeks is a good something to shoot for you know what i mean some dogs can do eight eight to twelve somewhere in that range you know eight's a little young you know what i mean but 12's getting yeah. there some people it's 15 you, you just don't know and some people it could be way more it could be six months or whatever the, the, the way i advise it is I, I don't even like to tie an age to it because mm-hmm. when you tie an age to it it's it's not taking into consideration the experience level of the dog right. or the handler right. every dog is different even amongst the same breeds yep. i tell everybody like go at the task level if you're reinforcing each task don't look at it as an age thing look at it as where are they at maturity level the maturity level you Mm -hmm. know if you need to overlay recall you might be able to use that e-collar on recall at a younger age than what you're going to be using it for on heel or woe or or what fill in the blank whatever Mm -hmm. so i tell everybody i'm like it's not an age thing it's a training thing and where you're at and you're in individual training on individual steps that's Uh, true so DT Systems. Tell me more about the company. You know what makes DT different than all these other e-collar companies out there. The main thing e-collar was so focusing on actual science and technology of the units. I guess I'll say because that's that's the only way to separate marketing. I'm the marketing guy. You know, I want to tell you how good it is all the way. You know, this is good. This is good. This, and there's a bunch of stuff, but the main technology difference. So we've talked about it already. It's a communication device, right? There's a remote control that's in your hand. Then there's a collar that's around the dog's neck. In order for that to work properly, there's a signal that has to go between the two. We'd all agree on that. Are we ever hunting in on a flat concrete surface like a basketball court? No. So you need to have something that can manage the terrain, pick up a signal. And do you want the signal to be picked up maybe within the next two, three, five minutes? Or are dogs doing something in the now that you need to correct in the now? Instantaneous. It, yeah. So if you keep that in mind, you need something. You hit the button, it's a, it's at that collar, whether it's a vibe, whether it's the tone, whether it's the east end, no matter what it is. Communication. In other words, me and you are communicating right now. You just asked me a question. If I sit here for the next two minutes, 
and don't say anything and I'm not communicating, you're like, okay, I'm moving on to the next thing. This guy just thinking that. You know what I mean? We just lost a lot of listeners yeah. for two minutes. Right, exactly. <laughs> so with that in mind, the technology that we have developed to make that happen, snap of your fingers, instant. Button press, instant. Way faster. And now we're talking sometimes milliseconds difference, but definitely way faster. We have a FM stainless steel signal antenna booster that goes all the way 360 degrees around that dog's neck it's in the collar it's built in so somebody says oh well, who cares you know whatever i know people have seen the units out there with the giant you know 9 10 12 inch antenna that sticks off the back it's the mm-hmm. same principle but ours is woven into the collar so it's not hanging on brush catching on barbed wire fences and everything else. so you guys have the antenna it's just built into the actual woven collar, into the collar instead of sit, sitting up you know 12 inches above the dog's head or yeah. whatever okay. and everybody knows the concept of i know there's some old, uh, you know hound dog guys coon dog guys you'd hold the you'd hold the big uh antenna out yeah. the window when you're going around looking for the dogs well, if you're going down the road, even simpler, if you're going down the road in your truck, your vehicle, whatever, you unscrew your FM radio antenna, you can still kind of get a scratchy, spotty signal every now and then when the signal hits just right. Or you can have the antenna screwed in, and then you get the signal consistently in the whole entire working range of that area. That's what our stuff does. So we have the same thing everybody else has as far as a remote and a receiver in the collar on the dog. That exact same thing, but we boost it and make it that much more consistent with the antenna that goes through the collar so going down hills going down hollers going down creek bottoms going through standing corn going through thick cattails in january and you know pheasant country you're still getting that consistent communication and signal to your dog you know each and every time so that's the biggest thing and the the timing the instantaneous portion of that right now that that is with without that like you said, the e-co- the whole point of an e-collar is kind of shot if exactly. you do away with that. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, when people talk about they first get into the space, I get this all the time. It's just like, well, I mean, why would I spend X amount of dollars on on that brand's e-collar when I can go to PetSmart and get this $30 yeah. thing made in China? Yeah. And ultimately, I talk about the reliability, the consistency, yeah. and the timing of it. You Absolutely. know, when you use an e-collar, you, you can't have it even a one-second delay. No will send the wrong communication. That's right. You know, it, when yeah. we talk about the timing of dogs or dog training in general, like you have to have an instant correction. Uh, in the moment. In the very, in the moment. Mm-hmm. So that, because dogs learn by association, they Absolutely need to learn so. exactly what you're trying to convey to them in that moment or it's lost. And That's right. that is something that, that high level, uh, high, highly reputable companies in this space offer you know and and that's something that you know talk to us about the different style of e-collars because that's another thing that gets a lot of people is you know you say get an e-collar well are we talking about you know one with beeper are we talking tracking capabilities are we talking about just training collars you know it talk to us about the different styles that dt offers so we've got we kind of segment i guess you'd say the 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 customer's end use right so whatever you're going to use there's a lot of people out there we could start at the kind of the entry level stuff they've they've got you know bob the lab that they might take him out hunting a couple, three times a year. But most of the time, he's the family dog, which is great. I love labs. They're great to sit in the house. GSP is either one. You can take either one of the scales. It could be GSP. It could be a lab. It could be, you know, 
small monster lander, <laughs> whatever you got, but it, you're only hunting, you're actually only hunting less than half a dozen times a year. We, we've got just regular entry level, easy to use collars, two, three buttons. You know, you've got your stem, you got your vibe, you got your tone or beep. And what those do, you asked about those. So e-stem basically is the electronic stimulation. It's kind of like a static shock is what it feels like. And I've taken each one of our collars all the way from one all the way up to 16. You put it on your wrist, put it in the palm of your hand, you hit a button and it'll either do like a half second. It's even maybe even less than a half second. It's just like a buzz. It's kind of like just your, your phone ringing, your phone buzzing, kind of like a TENS machine. Maybe even people heard of those with, you know, doing your muscle stuff, yeah, like muscle yeah. therapy stuff. It's just kind of like it just sends a little signal. It's like a reminder. It's not an actual like electrical current. No. It's just kind of static electricity. This yeah. is why it's just like a little. Boop. It's kind of an unfair statement that e collars get associated with electrocution yeah. for dogs. It's like if that's the case, you yeah. wouldn't be able to use them in water absolutely yeah and that's a good point because ours are all waterproof they're 100 waterproof people use them and here we are sitting here right at the ocean i mean we're a couple hundred yards from the ocean and then we got the sound right behind us so you got salt water everywhere huh. i've used collars all the way around here you mm-hmm. know what i mean so that's a good that's a good point to bring up it's just a it's literally just a tap on the shoulder it's a reminder you can't send your dog out there and talk to him and say hey you know we're sitting right here together right now but in 15 minutes, when you get, you know, half a mile away down in that creek bottom and you've sniffed a raccoon out and you're trying to go down in his hole, I'd rather you not do that and just turn around and come back when that happens. Oh, of course that can't happen. I mean, so you've got, you've got your reminders, whether it's whether you set them up to recall to tone, whether you recall to vibe, whether you recall to east stem. And you've also got, I'm sure you've been involved in this. Nobody wants to think about it, but there's an emergency situation. Mm-hmm. Dog gets too close to a road. You hear, you know, Bubba wheeling by with his 35s and his jacked up truck. He can't see the dog because he's sitting up so high in the air. Who knows what's happening, dude? I mean, by the way, my truck's sitting out here in the driveway jacked up with 35s. <laughs> so I'm not picking on anybody. <laughs> but that does happen. And if you can instantly communicate with that dog right then wouldn't you rather have a, a lifeline around his neck for goodness sakes i mean to me i can't consider going without it and here's a perfect example i've got hoss he has been collar trained for 12 years does he need to have that collar to know what to do well the answer is absolutely not but do i want to make sure i can communicate with him in any instance that may arise when i'm out there in the field if he can't hear, if he's got waves smacking him up against the head because he's going out in the sound t- picking up a bluebill that's 500 yards away, whatever the situation is, I want to make sure I can direct him or get his attention to look back at me and see me going left or right with a hand signal. You know what I mean? He's relying on me just as much as I'm relying on him. So if you flip the scenario, let's say you just you brought up a great point. You're training in your yard or you're training in the park, right? Hey, that's freaking awesome. I encourage anybody to go do it. Can that dog always see and hear you? Yes, every single moment. So we rely on the dogs, but guess what? The dogs rely on us all the time, 100%, no matter what happens. They don't understand the world we live in yes. like we understand. Exactly. And while we may be, we we would love to just be out in the prairie or the woods or these wild places to where we don't have to worry about cars or trains or barbed wire Coyotes, or coyote, what, a, what fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Uh, Porcupine. <laughs> the dogs don't understand that those dangers are out there. That's right. You know, they might, some dogs in particular might learn that porcupines are out there and they have a personal vendetta against yeah. them. But uh, that's, a, that's a very important point to where it's, it's kind of a, 
to some extent an insurance policy or, yes. or a safety net to where sometimes, you know, especially these hunting dogs, they have a drive. They have a switch in oh, their man. head that sometimes, especially with improper training or, or not, not no enough training – when these dogs, I, I call it shark eyes. When it, when they turn those shark eyes on mm-hmm. and they're focused a hundred percent, predator and prey. Yes, when they're focused in on that, you can scream till you're blue in the face with some of these dogs, and Dang you're them. not getting through to them at all. But yeah. you know what? That e collar, especially with an adjustable setting, yeah, you can climb up. Yeah, I'm not saying start at the very top and then go down. You start at the bottom yeah, and work your way up. Mm-hmm. You can get through to that dog's brain, and it's kind of like you're getting through the shark eyes, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. just like oh. Crap, the dog, I mean, we've all seen it to where that dog, when they get zeroed in on anything, Mm -hmm. sometimes like when you catch their attention, it's like they're coming out of a bad dream. They're like, oh, where am I? And and it's just, we breed for those dogs. So Mm -hmm. it's just like, you can't get mad at the dog for doing or having that specific trait that we want in our hunting dogs. We want the dogs with the high drive and that passion for doing it. Mm -hmm. And it brings up another point to where, while we're talking about e-collars can be used for for the good stuff, the recall, the training, you know, you can drive to a pile, you can drive over here, you can steer these dogs. It's also a very valuable tool in deterrence training and mm-hmm. chasing trash, deer, Absolutely. getting away from roads, staying away from trucks, mm-hmm. porcupines, what have you. Yep. So it's just like you can use use it to instill good that the dog learns like, Oh man, if you know, I love retrieving, I love turning off that pressure when, you know, the sooner I get to that object, the sooner the pressure comes off, I want to get to that retrieve quicker, but it can also teach them, Hey, maybe it's not the best thing in the world that I tear off ever after every coyote scent that that we come across in the woods. Again, we're, it's, it's a communication tool that it's kind of like, when the dog understands that and you understand that, you now have a new language with the dog yeah, to where synergy there. Yeah. They don't have to learn English and you don't have to learn, you know, yeah. canine. And that's the perfect example. That's what they're for, man. You know, and, and when you're, if you've ever been out hunting with a buddy and you can't see him, he can't hear you yell. Have you ever called him? Said, Hey man, let's go over here and work this other opposite side of this draw. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's the perfect example. Okay. Well, why is your dog any different? Let's, just like I was saying earlier, you train him in the yard, you train him in the park. He sees you, you see him, you talk to the dog. You train him verbally, right? Or with hand signals or with a clicker or whatever you do. Well, it's not fair to the dog, dude, to just go out into the field. Then he can't see you or hear you anymore, and you get pissed off. You know what I'm saying? Or you're bad. He, he's working the He's doing what you told him to do. He's working the draw or he's working the creek. He, you've not been able to say, hey, look here at this map. We're going to go up this draw that goes to the right. We're, we're not going to go to the draw that goes to the left. We're going to go here to this draw that goes to the right. Right. Well, the dog's out there being a dog and working like you told him to. If he just happens to, it doesn't take two, three, four steps, and he's all of a sudden working the left draw. He can't see you. You know what I mean? And if you're out there with no way of communicating with him, other than screaming through the woods, then he freaks out. And have you ever been in the woods or a draw or a cavern or a certain set of geographical circumstances, the lay of the land where the sound kind of echoes? Well, I know I have. So it's not always directional. You know what I mean? It's not always right there. So they can hear you, but they don't know where to go. I've seen, I have seen countless times where a dog's getting yelled his name, screamed at. You can see him 
flickering in the distance here and there between the trees and they're looking 360 degrees the dog's literally going around in a circle he doesn't know which direction the sound came from a lot of time you know so well it, it goes back to the old old school trick to where i learned this from from some of the mountain grouse hunters that have gotten me into this world to where if you're in the mountains or the wind is blowing too hard, instead of yelling towards the dog, you turn around and yeah, yell away the from the dogs yeah. into the wind. Yeah. And the dog can pinpoint you better doing yeah. that than by yelling in there. Yeah. But, you know, not, not to interrupt you, but like that's a prime example of where you just altering how you are trying to communicate with your dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just changing directions is yep. sometimes good enough to get their attention. Yeah. But then at the what we're kind of getting to is like if you have the e-collar, you don't even need to worry about that. Yeah, you're in constant communication, so they don't go up the left-hand draw when you're in the right-hand draw. Exactly, that's, that's what you're saying, yeah. and that that is absolutely spot on. But back to your original question, since we just got on that line to just explaining them, we've got something for everybody. If there's somebody that just like I said hunts a couple three times a year, we've got entry-level stuff that's you know priced accordingly. It's all waterproof stuff. Most almost everything we have is waterproof and it's very durable so there's not a sacrifice in quality you'd pay less price for less features and less range that's basically how it works out so my, my point is if you're looking at entry level stuff you only hunt a little bit you only need something that goes 500 600 yards that that's going to be a little bit more price effective than something that goes three miles for a guy that's out there with coon dogs every weekend that needs something that's literally bulletproof you yeah. know what i mean and and so we've got obedience we call them just kind of obedience training stuff that's got different features vibe tone stuff like that quick recharge batteries this and that for a guy that's mostly at home all the time he needs something you know right then just to go out in the yard or the park or something hunt a couple times a year then we've got stuff for the upland guys with the the beepers the locator beeper which for for those that don't know a locator beeper is just a really loud beeper that you can use to locate the dog up to you know three four hundred yards away or more that you can hear directionally where that sound's coming from if he's out in a cornfield and you can't see him or he's in a you know, just a draw or whatever, somewhere around you can beep and hear him, or you can train him to recall to a, a, you know, any kind of a beep or anything like that. we got vibrate units. We've got units that'll do two to three dogs. You know what I mean? If you're putting three dogs on the ground, you can use one remote with a switch Mm -hmm. that goes between the first dog, the second dog, and the third dog. And then we've got our waterfowl units that are mostly just for guys that or out in the marsh that are, you know, 100% waterproof. If you drop the remotes in the water, they it float. Floats. Yeah, I was so, about to say, that's a nice yeah, little touch there. Yeah, and, and some people might be like, oh, that's just a marketing gimmick. Well, let me just tell you, you're talking to a guy that's dropped his remote and not even known it and then been putting out decoys and the remote floats by me. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you know, because you're out there, your hands are cold. It's O-Dark 30, you know, and you might be trying to put it in your pocket. You think you're putting it in your pocket, but it falls out or whatever. So that's something just, it's just one of those things we got feedback from. For, pe- for the people yeah, that say that that's a gimmick, <laughs> it's like, okay, I, I can probably assume that you haven't hunted really hard for very long because <laughs> anybody you know the e-collar remote it's just you're gonna drop it yeah, you're gonna at, drop at that some sucker. point yeah it, it's gonna be there i mean you know we all we all know somebody like in, in this space that they've always dropped a, a a remote and maybe they lose it and then they come find it like next spring when the duck hole dries up or something yeah and then you know it, it's amazing the technology because it's just like very often than not you go put a charge on still it works. And it still works yeah we've it's, had that happen a lot yeah and and to that end about dropping them you say well what about the the poor upland crowd you know what do we get well they're bright orange you <laughs> yeah know? and we're not the only ones that have that you know there's a couple other companies that do them in bright orange you know but if you drop it it's bright orange chances are if you walk back out and you know follow your track to where you went close yeah. proximity you're going to see it laying there so we've got those two 
So, so and that's one thing that, you know, me switching to DT, obviously, with, with you guys a few months ago, I, I'm looking at the collars and trying to figure out what I need, what I want to try and learn. Like, I'm, I'm trying to uh, get my dogs used to the beeper collar. Just something new, something yep. for me to talk about. It's a little slow going. You know, you take a dog, eight, nine years old, like Rachel, that's never had a beep go off when she goes on point. It's kind of throwing her for a loop a little bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, there, there's something that I'll be talking about, you know, in the future on, on that as well. Yeah. Just getting a, an older dog used to it because it is a learning oh, yeah. curve. It is. Uh, but looking through your, co- like you said, you have something for everybody, no matter the experience level, no matter the need. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like a la carte. Like you said, it's like you have your baseline pricing and you know, every step after that, it's just adding features. Yep, and then it's up it to you to decide, do you really need or want that feature? Mm-hmm. And you can, you can find one that works within your budget and your needs. That's right. Uh, it seems like you guys honestly have a lot more options in that regard of adding this feature, taking that feature away yeah. than a lot of these other companies. Yeah. And it can be kind of, I don't know, uh, uh, a big piece to chew on when you mm-hmm. first look at it. It's like, oh man, there's a lot of options here. But when you really start looking at it, yeah. you, you're really getting the collar that you need or want. Yep. You just narrow it down to your specific circumstance and needs, and then we've got something that'll fill that gap for you, yeah. most likely. And then like you said, y'all are more than just e-collars. Yep. You, you, you guys also have bumpers, launchers, yep. uh, you know, it, even the uh, the bark collars, man. The, yep. I was telling you last night, the bark yep. collars. I, I keep a bark collar on my truck all the time now whether it's for my own dogs or somebody else's yeah. dog it comes along that just won't shut up it's they're, like, they're a handy little thing to yeah. have and a lot of people just back to the thing that said oh i'd never put a bark collar on my dog i've never met anybody other than the most dedicated of hound guys that wants to just sit and hear a dog bark for <laughs> hours on end you know what i mean and there's a lot of ordinances no matter where you live i mean where cr- people are getting crowded into fewer and fewer spaces and we've noticed that as as ordinance you know town ordinance local little, little uh, ordinances get past you dog barking is not a thing that's allowed and it's really good to get your dog started and i want to clarify something it's not something that you put on the dog and leave it on there for eight or ten hours a day dogs learn by association and that's not just certain dogs it's not just hunting dogs that's dogs yeah (laughs) they learn you know if you feed them at a certain time of day when you get home from work every day and you get home and it's been 30 minutes the dog knows hey i'm getting ready to get fed you know it's the old pavlov's dog salivation thing they learn by association so when you get a bark collar oftentimes you're only going to have to put that thing on them a few times before they know what that means and then they're not going to need it anymore so one of the things we built into our last bark collar that you already know because you've got them we've got the e-stem that comes on you set it from level one through eight i believe it is and then there's a there's a tone so it's a beep it's like beep and then it's going to stem pretty soon you can set it on tone only and when they hear the beep that's it they shut off they're not barking no more you know and it's a great thing this is the other aspect of a bark collar that i don't think people think about a lot when your dog is barking every single time that is a form of stress now for a coon dog or for hounds it's a great thing you know, they're out there running, they're barking, they're happy. They're they're on the trail, they're, you know, they're the lead dog's running, he gets to firing off. Then here comes number one, number two, number three, number four, <laughs> on down through the line, however many dogs you got on the ground. It's a great thing. There's, there's all t- types of stress. There's good stress for people. There's bad stress for people. It's the same thing for dogs. 90% of the time, though, when a dog's barking, that is a form of not so great of a stress for them. So if you can, cur- and the longer it goes on, 
the more stress that is on your dog. And I dare say the longer that a dog barks, the more stress that is on those that are listening to it. Right. right? So you, do you want your dog to be unduly stressed? Well, probably not because I know I don't. I don't, well, yeah, I'll let him sit out there and stress himself out for an hour barking. Well, no, that's probably I, not good. When they're staked so you, out in the kennel, what have you, yeah. they're supposed to be resting. But exactly. you, that's what I'm they, saying. They're off duty. They're clocked out. They're yeah. on a break. And if, if they're just sitting there just barking, barking at, the, yeah. the, at the clouds, yeah. that's not them resting. Exactly. And, and then also you get into the etiquette piece of it, whether you're at the training grounds or hunting grounds, mm-hmm. and your dog is the one staked out in the kennel, in the truck, what have you, and it's just incessantly just howling and He's barking and making everything. all the other dogs bark and stress you're stressing out the other dogs that are around you mm-hmm. you're you're taking away from the effectiveness or enjoyment of hunting for the other person that's out there in the field with their own dog say you're at a training day or something like that yep. and and it's funny it's like like you said you don't you don't know very many people outside maybe houndsmen that like enjoy their dogs you know mouthing off i'd say squirrel dogs are kind of the same yeah, way yeah little feist dogs uh, yeah little feist dogs but mm-hmm. uh, it's like the people that notice the barking they can't stand it. It's oh, yeah. it's nails on a chalkboard. The oh, people yeah. that don't notice it, the people that need the bark collars the most, it's like they don't hear yeah. their dog at all. Yeah. And sometimes, it, right. it, and like I've pointed it out to people, there's a respectful way of doing it. You know, besides, you know, you just look at them like, well, you shut your dog up. Yeah. No, it's just like, hey, you know, whose dog is that barking? More times than not, they'll be like, oh. And then it's like yeah. just bringing awareness to right. to the fact that your dog hasn't shut up in yeah. two hours. And now it's making every dog here bark. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, and it's a, it's just as much, this is another thing to throw out there for folks that, you know, because believe me, I've been hit with everything you can think of as I'm far sure. as, uh, I don't want to call it. And that's great. That's fine. Whatever, you know. Do you train your dog to hunt birds? Do you train your dog to heal? Do you train your dog to X? Whatever it is, do you train them to do it? Right. You can also train them to not bark. But why, how are you going to do that? Hey, you know, when what circumstance? Are you going to get them to start barking and then go over there and grab them by the muzzle? No. You know, you, do you see what I'm getting at? Mm-hmm. So a, a barking circumstance can't be controlled by you Usually, it's some extraordinary circumstance that is making the dog bark. It's kind of tough to train that in. You know what I mean? And and personally for me, when a stranger comes to my door, I like my dog to bark a couple of three times. Just let them know a little bit. Yeah, because I might be in the bathroom. I might be in the back room where I don't know there's somebody at the door. You know what I mean? It's just a nice little thing. So you don't want them not ever barking in their entire lives because there's certain situations where that's a good thing. But a bark collar is a training tool, just like all the e-collars are a training tool for a certain given set of some circumstances that you can sometimes not control that will help your dog learn that this is the time for this and this is the time for this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you put, and, and here's an important thing. People are probably asking this. Oh, well, I need to talk about how they work. So a bark collar is different from a remote collar in that it, when let's say you're on an e-collar remote, you press a button on the remote and it instantly makes the collar work. Well, the bark collar does not do that. A bark collar uses a vibration sensor that is in the center of the collar between the two like prongs on the collar, right? Contact points. 
So when it senses, you, you feel like if you talk, like I'm talking right now and I'm holding on to my Adam's apple. Right. I can feel that vibration going through there because that's what it is. It's a vibrating of sound that mm-hmm. makes you hear a certain thing, right? Well, a dog barks, that vibrates. So you situate the bark collar to the side of that kind of voice. We'll call it the voice box, whatever you want to call it. And when it feels that vibration, it emits a signal. So the vibration of your dog barking, which even a tiny dog barks rather loudly. So it's a significant vibration going through there, right? And it senses that. That's the remote button of sorts. So when it, it until it senses that, it does not do anything so clapping your hands a loud airplane flying over a dog that, right next to it barking yeah, it's that, not going to set it nope, off nope none of that will yeah. and that's a very important thing because we were talking about earlier instantaneous training signal right that's the most important thing this is way more even important because it has to be the nanosecond that the dog barks or it's not going to know why it just got stimulated right. it, and so. that is a problem with other bark collars on the market to where they respond to noises Mm -hmm. it'll pick up on a noise well if you have a dog in a kennel next to it barking and you have a bark collar on your dog your dog's getting zapped because the neighbor Mm -hmm. is barking yeah and like you said for it to be effective for the training to actually take hold that dog needs instantaneous correction on its own action and choice and then it realizes oh if i don't bark i don't get hit and uh you know it's not rocket science but it gives you that level of consistency Mm -hmm. that otherwise you would not have it's like i tell everybody uh when they ask like is a bark uh, is a bark collar really necessary i'm like well no it's not necessary if you got a mouthy dog say it's genetically predisposed to being more mouthy than than other dogs mm-hmm. in theory you can sit there all day with an, a regular e-collar and you can manually do it yourself yeah. <laughs> who's gonna do that yeah, exactly. you know it's you know it's yeah. like I, we all like to chill on the porch with a with a cooler of beer from time to time but exactly. i'm not doing that that often no. but for it to be effective yeah exactly that's that's for sure and it's it's there to come on when it's needed and then it's not going to do anything if it's not needed exactly yeah and so you know as we kind of start winding this down and wrapping it up you know the the e-collars and bark collars that's that's pretty much y'all's bread and butter i mean that's Mm -hmm. that's what people pretty much know you guys for but also launchers yeah. Everywhere I go, bird you're launchers. Bird launchers. launchers. It's it's becoming more and more popular, especially with YouTube and podcasts oh, and time. resources where people start learning the uses of launchers. It's yeah. more. It's 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 a tool. It's another communication tool that you can use to mm-hmm. correct studying. You can correct a lot of stuff and teach a lot of stuff yeah. with it. Uh, but as people really start to see the different uses of these machines, they're more than just go put them out there so you can flush a bird higher when you want to, you can really set up different training scenarios and really communicate a whole bunch of things with these, with these launchers. And I, you know, I would say that you guys are one of the top launchers on the market. It's definitely the best. It's like, if I didn't work for DT systems, it's the number one, it's, it's, it's the, it's the number one bird launcher out there. And one of the main reasons is the, the way that you load a bird launcher, there's a, basically a platform on the top that's spring loaded and you fold it together to make a little uh, temporary enclosure for the bird. And then mm-hmm. it latches, and then when you hit a button, it releases, it springs it up, and the bird takes off flying. Well, as you can picture, a bird launcher is a square box. Let's say it's just a little, you know, 8 by 12 square box. That's, that's, that's not, don't quote me on that, but it's close, you know what I mean? And you, you think there's that platform on the top. Most of them, you have to hold the bird in your hand with one hand, push down tension, 
And then latch it. And then latch it with your other hand. So you need two or three more hands to help you get that process done a lot of the times, you know. Ours, you can already have it latched, closed, and everything. And there's a little trap door on the end. And it it provides an escape route for the bird. So when you stick that bird's head close to it, it automatically kind of wants to go in there and get away from you. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. you're losing a lot fewer birds. It's just easy to load. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's got, you know, the scent holes are positioned on each corner to where the scent flows through there perfectly. Uh, They're quiet. They're super quiet. So in the importance of that is, oh, God, why do I care if my bird launcher's quiet? Well, (laughs) you don't want your dog slipping up there and pointing. And then you hit the release, and it makes so much noise and commotion that it scares crap out your dog. Yes. Because then you've got a negative association, and then that's a heck of a hill to climb. Well, and, <laughs> and I tell everybody, I mean, that this is not just DT or, or any launcher. I say in general, like, the, they always talk about, like, oh, I'm do, doing bird intro, but I don't have a launcher. I'm like, I advise people don't use a launcher on your first few bird contacts because it's already – you you ultimately want that dog exposed to the bird in a positive light anyway. Positive always, and yeah. the least amount of stuff you can have between the dog and bird in that, the better. Yep. But launchers, if, if if you have poor timing with the launcher button and you launch it too late and that puppy's too close, there's a negative association with the launcher going off in its face. No, yeah. Well, it just got exposed to birds in the same time. So the first yeah. time that it smells or, or witnesses a bird and That's it gets a, a launcher in its face, you may have just created a habit or, or a bad yeah. association. So I tell everybody, it's like launchers have a time and a place, but maybe at the very start of intro level – kind of avoid that but Mm -hmm. that's not to say even with an experienced dog you have one bad interaction to where you have an overly loud uh launcher maybe you have a dog that's just getting over some gun sensitivity training that's true whatever you never know it could just be that one instance that can turn a dog off from launchers absolutely and you hear it from people all the time oh my dog's launcher wise i'm like Mm -hmm. that means that you probably used launchers at some point ineffectively yep that's right yeah and and so a couple of the things we're talking about, you know, just taking feedback from people and looking at what people need. We knew it had to be ultra quiet, easy to load, and you know, not scare the heck out of the dog. And it it, it fulfills all those requirements. And we we really do well with the launchers, and people love them. Yeah, you know, they just they use them, and and it's one it's it's the best one out there, it really. Yep. Is, so so uh, if you're on the market for launchers, check those out. Uh, one last thing that I want to talk about, and this will be a, a really quick one as we wrap it up. Your bumpers. This is something before I got, you know, tied in with you guys. I, I wasn't really aware that you guys had your own bumper line. And, and yeah. you guys have some really nice bumpers. Yeah. You know, you have your basic, you know, plastic bumpers and stuff like that. But yeah. you also have the canvas ones. Yeah. If you use scent, there's little scent strips on there, yeah. different sizes. I'm really enjoying getting to use a, a few different styles of y'all's, y'all's bumpers. And yep. for those listening, like a bumper, really? But... Not all bumpers are created equal. No, for sure. And like we were talking about earlier, you can go on Amazon and buy anything nowadays. It doesn't even matter if it's anything. You can you can always get something for cheap. And what's the old saying is if it's cheap and good, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then it's actually not. It's if it's good and cheap, it's not. It's not good or whatever the whole saying is. I bumbled that up pretty fast. But you can look it up, Google it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Ours are built for people that are trying to train bird hunting dogs or waterfowl dogs, and they're tough. So we did incorporate a scent strip on, on there that'll hold a little bit of scent. You can put any type of scent, whatever your discipline is. We sell the scents too. But it's, why is that important? Why? Well, a dog has olfactory senses that are somewhere around 100 times better than ours, which means it uses its nose just about as much as it uses its eyes and ears. 
or maybe even more, depending on what the dog is. A bloodhound, I'd be willing to tell you, don't care nothing about his eyes and ears. It's all nose. Yeah. So uh, hunting dogs use their nose to find things. So a lot of the birds that you are high-fiving your buddies that you put him on a mark, that dog, yes, he went in that direction because you put him on the mark. But he's, what did he use to ultimately get right to that bird for a retrieve? His nose. Mm-hmm. What does every upland bird, is their dead giveaway to your dog? Their scent yeah. in his nose, correspondingly. So I think that in the whole crux of dog training, a lot of times people... Those little tiny little small things kind of not necessarily get purposefully put to the side. But this whole thing, uh, let's say we're going to go quail hunting this afternoon. If the dog literally could not smell, would we go quail hunting? Nope. So if you haven't trained him via scent on whatever, whether it's a a live quail in a bird launcher and the scent's coming out of that, whether it's quail scent on a dummy that you plant in the weeds, whether it's quail scent on a dummy that you throw and then you want to go correspondingly get him to retrieve if you're not training that it, it's an experiential thing for him so if he smells plastic well that, do you want him out there pointing discarded mountain dew bottles <laughs> or do you want him out there pointing quite you know what i'm saying yeah so that's one of those other key tie-ins you know i'm not sitting here trying to sell you a dt product i'm truly not i'm trying to sell you the tools and things that you need to get your dog trained ex- just 360 the collars, the everything. You know what I mean? Because it, it's all required, dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we got it, you know. And, and so that's, that's just a little tie-in to you asking about the bumpers. And then we also have the ones that are black and white contrast. People ask about that all the time. Why do you need black and white contrast? Contrast is what dogs see, as, or so they tell us. I have never interviewed one that <laughs> wrote me an essay on what he saw. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they say that it's contrast. I got to believe it because it works when I throw a black and white dummy. Well, and at the end of the day, most of the – stuff that we're retrieving isn't one color exactly it's it's a contrast of colors very often numerous colors Mm. and black and white just it gets your dog used to looking for seeing that contrast out there and that's also why you know there there are certain things like orange bumpers orange is a harder color for for dogs to pick up you Mm. if you if you have a solid orange bumper that dog is not going to be able to see or pick that up nearly as fast as it's going to pick up an all white or all black or mm-hmm. a black and white bumper. That's true. And so, yep. you know, it, th- to me, that's one thing throughout the years helping people is not all bumpers are created equal. There are different jobs and tasks that you can use different bumpers for. Yep. And, uh, you know, a lot of people can accuse you of, you know, getting into the weeds too much. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, plenty of people have done it with using just all white bumpers. And, oh, you yeah. know, it is what it is. But it kind of goes back to what we talked about on the e-collars. If there's an, a more efficient way of doing That's it right. and it's proven, mm. why not consider doing it? Doesn't yeah. mean that you have to do it. You can still do it the same way you did it 20 yeah. years ago. But Absolutely. if there's an easier way or an easier method, why not be open to trying it out and testing yep. it? I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's just tools, you know, better tools, better, build a better mousetrap, whatever, however you can do it. You know, we got the tools out there for whatever guy, whatever stage a guy's in. If he's in the intro stage, great. You know what I mean? As you develop up through the ranks, you get another bird dog or you get another waterfowl dog or you do what you do and you grow in the sport. We have the products to help you grow as you go along. Gotcha. That's, that's what it's made. 
So let's go ahead and tell everybody where they can find those products that you and the tools that you have for everybody. And, and, we, and we can go ahead and wrap this up. Tell everybody where they can find you and, and go looking for your products and, yeah, and ordering them. In, in this day and age of information technology, we usually tell people, hey, go check out our website, dtsystems.com. And then we've got various retailers out there, online retailers. We've got our pro partners like Ethan, Standing Stone, those guys. We've got We, we sell probably almost anywhere you'll find quote outdoor products you'll find some dt stuff so your favorite spot that you go and buy your outdoor products or your favorite online shop just do an online search and you'll yep. be able to find just you guys are on standing stone supply uh mm-hmm. social media under dt systems you're on instagram yep. and, and facebook and y'all have yep. a youtube channel so yep. if you're out there for those resources be sure to check them out and brian i, I appreciate you having me down and, and yeah, showing man. off your your memory room and, yeah, uh, and I've, I've really enjoyed meeting you in person and yeah. look forward to when we can actually go share the field together absolutely man likewise for sure Well, I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Brian. I know I certainly did. I I enjoy getting to meet him in person and get to know him a little bit. It's always a a breath of fresh air when you get to meet people within uh, within the outdoor hunting industry uh, that, that truly appreciates hunting and the activities for what it really is and that and that's something to where brian you could tell you could hear it in his voice and in his passion for it he truly loves the outdoors and hunting in particular he loves the challenge of it he loves the camaraderie of it he loves the tradition of it and so it's always fun getting to know people like that and and really getting their perspective i mean everything from his trophy or memory room as as he called it all the way through getting to to know the company that he works for in DT Systems, it's it's been a blast. It's been a breath of fresh air uh, getting to work with people that that appreciate it for the same reasons that you do. And DT makes some really quality products. You know, this is something I honestly personally didn't have that much experience around DT prior to getting to know them and and starting to work with them a few months back. Uh, but since then, so far, everything I've used of theirs, I, I've really come to enjoy and appreciate especially you know we we talked about it on the podcast something that's very very simple and and affordable to use which would go a long way for a lot of people are those bark collars those bark bosses you know it's it's one of those just being around people that have seen me use the bark bosses and not even always on my dog just in camp you someone's dog is just losing their freaking minds and you just say hey go put this on them and it's resolved almost immediately and uh, you can't beat it especially for the price that they're at and and speaking of prices with uh this is coming out the week of christmas so there is a last minute promo code if you would like to order something for somebody or restock up on something that you want or try something new uh, you can head over to dt dt's website and use at the checkout the promo code dt social media 15 for 15 percent that will allow you to save 15 percent on any of their stuff that they have on their on their website which is a pretty substantial drop and you can use that for again any of the stuff that we talked about on this episode whether you're looking for actual e-collar system or bark collars or launchers or bumpers they they're so much more than just an e-collar company if you haven't checked them out i behoove you to do that and uh they're they're really good people they they appreciate hunting for what it is and uh 
they just want to put out quality products that serve you and make uh, your hunting more accessible and more enjoyable overall at the end of the day. So again, that promo code is DT Social Media 15. Go on over to dtsystems.com and check them out. Uh, follow them on YouTube. They got a lot of good training resources on that for uh, for those that are interested in that as well. And uh, speaking of resources and videos, we are we're, we're putting up putting some of the finishing touches on our first video that we've been talking about for for a while now. Uh, too long to be perfectly honest. But again, it's been a learning curve, new workflow, new workload, all that fun stuff. Uh, been challenging, been a lot of fun. I'm excited to get this video out there to you people and, and start getting feedback here soon. It's It's been a lot of, lot of time and work in, on the backside of this to make this happen. This will, the Patreon patrons will get early access to this. They've been super patient. They, they're our number one supporters of the podcast. The podcast would not be where it is without the support of our Patreon patrons. And so given their support over the years, as well as their patience, they've never really asked much of me at all in, in terms of what they're getting uh, in return for their support. And so I'm going to make the early access to them. Uh, I'm hoping to to get it up very soon. I'm just waiting on a few feedback things from from a certain few other people, slapping on some finishes, finishing touches. But I fully expect, if not this week, in the next week or so, we will have that video up for uh, Patreon patrons exclusively as an early release. Kind of thank you for sticking around and support. And I'm already kind of cracking on some follow-up videos and stuff like that for Patreon-exclusive content uh, that's not going to be as well... I don't even know the correct word, uh, put together, polished, uh, whatever you have it. It's just good quality information that, you know, I get asked, I get asked the same questions a lot. You know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have people knocking down my door asking for my advice every single day, but throughout the week and months, I, I'm consistently asked the same questions over and over and over again. Everything from, you know, your more advanced stuff on how would you go about, Steadying up my dog and advanced steadiness to how do you even put a collar on? I mean, it's such a wide berth and bandwidth of of questions, some more simple, some more complicated. So we're just going to start trying to answer a lot of these questions in video format on Patreon. And again... It's it's fun, it's challenging, but it, there is a learning curve. I can already see it getting quicker. So hopefully once we kind of start rolling these videos out, hopefully they keep coming. But again, all that to say, uh, if you're interested in supporting the podcast and getting early access to the video coming out here soon, uh, be sure to sign up at patreon.com forward slash gundogityourself. Uh, it goes a long way in helping us create and do new and fun and exciting things outside of just the typical podcast which we've been doing for quite a while and uh but don't worry the podcast isn't going to slack we have nothing but even bigger plans and bigger guests and, and ideas and topics coming up so stay tuned for that but again this is uh this week being christmas merry christmas to everybody if you're traveling to see family traveling to hunt what have you be safe have fun enjoy it remember what it's all about what this season is all about with with friends and family and uh just just i hope everybody has a great safe enjoyable christmas uh again 
Check out the promo codes at DT, DT Social Media 15, as well as the promo codes that we put out last week for the Standing Stone Supply Codes. GDIY10 gets you 10% off your first purchase, as well as Xmas 22 gets you 20% off their start to finish training program. So, with all that being said, again, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, all that fun stuff. Enjoy it for what it is, and uh, we'll be back next next week. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.